Welcome to another episode of Instigating with Clarky and Drury, brought to you by our friends at Cool Bet Canada, the Listowel Squash Courts, Listowel Vision Care, see the game, and our friends at Hanover Raceway. Don't miss all the excitement of live harness racing every Saturday from June 4th to September 17th, post time at 1.30. Bring the family and come have a great time enjoying the sights and sounds. We bet you'll love it. Visit them at HanoverRaceway.com for details on their upcoming events. Speaking of events, not upcoming anymore, a major bombshell dropping for the Toronto Blue Jays today as we record this on July 13th. We're very pleased as I'm joined by Steve Sabern on this week's show to welcome our friend, the guy that we want to talk to when it comes to the Blue Jays, Rob Longley of the Toronto Sun. Mr. Longley, huge one today, and uh, we appreciate you doing this. Obviously, you're, you're crunched up for time here, and that's because... The Toronto Blue Jays have relieved Charlie Montoyo of his duties as the manager of the club. Your impression of the move, what brought this on now, and where do we go from here? Yeah, you know, guys, it's, I, I was certainly surprised but not shocked because um, you can certainly see the signs of this, this coming over the past couple of weeks. I was, uh, I was on that gruesome road, road trip to Oakland to Seattle. My apologies, Ryan, I know you're a big athletic fan, but it was pretty ugly baseball. And, uh, you know, speaking at, at times off the record with, with, with Charlie, you could tell that uh, that he could almost sense that something was coming. Um, Ross Atkins in his press conference to announce the firing today essentially said that it wasn't an overnight decision. It was probably something that had been in the works for a while and perhaps even delayed by the sort of a personal tragedy that the team had to go through with, with the death of uh, Julia Budzinski's daughter, 17-year-old daughter of first base coach Mark. So um, the way the team had been playing, uh, the way the team had been underachieving, especially our management felt that, that this, was the, this was the way to go. And essentially, uh, more than anything else, I think looking for a new voice and new tone um, for the clubhouse and, and by replacing... Charlie Montoyo on an interim basis with John Schneider, like but just that. A guy who's very familiar with most of these players, managed several of them in the minor leagues, but uh, but also has a different voice than Charlie, so a different tenor and a different way that he approaches things. And that's what we're going to get right away from him. Well, Rob, looking at the situation you mentioned, interim, and that's the, the uh, term that I want to focus in on because there doesn't seem to be an appetite to go out and get a a new manager right away and just carry on the season with an interim manager. I mean, from a fan perspective, that's, Oh, you're giving up for the rest of the season. Like how does that play into it? Yeah. It's interesting because the, uh, the title of interim manager is, is basically a falsehood um, because you can't hire a manager to stay in these days in major league baseball without going through the, the entire process and making sure that you, you hire, you know, from various backgrounds, and you know, there's a, there's a very specific amount of rules that, that, that a team has to go through to hire a new manager. So when you put somebody in, in in the middle of the season, you call it interim, and and you go from there. That also gives them the out if they don't think that John Schneider is the guy that they can go on a, on a proper, more elaborate search in the off season. But I think that interim is just a title right now. I think that they're fully intend to have John Schneider as the manager going forward, and I think maybe that was the plan. Um, as early as the last year, at one point, when they essentially moved into the to the role of uh, bench coach, and um, you know they certainly saw some of the things that he could do. And he was whenever Charlie got tossed from the game, he was the guy that handled handled the the machines, so to speak. And so I don't really think it's an interim title. I think you can expect John Schneider, assuming things go well anyway, they're going to be around going into next season. That would be, certainly be my hunch. It's interesting, right, Rob, because I know a lot of fans and myself included, the first thing that popped into my head was, gee, who's available? Oh, yeah, a guy named Joe Madden. And obviously that doesn't sound like it's even a remote possibility as of right now, but maybe he could potentially be a guy that the Jays sniff around on in the offseason, assuming maybe, and we all hope not, that the Jays season continues as it has been for the rest of this one. Is that something that you could maybe see in the future if the season continues to sputter along here? I think that John Madden uh, would be able to, not John Madden, <laughs> I think Hugh Madden would be about the last guy that they, that they would go to at this point. I think that um, this team wants to distance itself as much as it can from the league school personality as a manager, especially one with a, uh, 
a real powerful presence and uh, voice. I mean, this team manages its games as much by the front office as it does. You can manage a team with that So I don't think Madden, Joe Madden would be any anywhere near the type of personality that they would want. Um, now, that's not to say that they won't look for somebody with experience, but I think that if, if, if John Schneider handles the assignment well out of the gate, that, that he'll get the opportunity to continue with it uh, next year. Especially if this team makes it to the playoffs and does some damage. We have to remember that despite their record, recently they still hold down that last wildcard spot in the, uh, in the American League. And furthermore, I don't think that you know, the Boston Red Sox know the fact that they raise at this point inspire a whole lot of fear in terms of in terms of the way that race is going to unfold. Obviously the Jays have to get back to the reasonable form. And there's a belief in his offense and uh, Kevin Dawson's gonna be back pitching tomorrow with all that kind of stuff. But they believe that, that this team is capable of much more and, and you know we've seen it so many times in the season where the team kind of gets it all together. And this team doesn't really have to get it together in a big way to prevent the playoffs, but if they, if they do make an addition, but that the trade deadline, especially with some bullpen help, um, they could be a factor in the postseason. And if that were the case, back to the original plans, then I would fully totally expect Don Schneider to be back in 2022. Um, what are some of the key uh, things coming down here uh, in the schedule? Because we know the All-Star breaks just around the corner, which was probably a good thing. And um, some of the days will get an opportunity to play. We know Vladdy's not going to do the home run uh, derby uh, to kind of save himself a little bit. But um, I guess late July, early August, going to be a pretty uh, pretty decent stretch against uh, the AL East. Yeah, I think so. Timing-wise, uh, if you're going to make, if you knew you were going to make that change, now is the time to do it because I mean, they've got the Phillies tonight, then they've got four against the Royals. So what? If, what if the Jays were to sweep the Royals and go three and one against them with Charlie as manager? Then you really fire him going into the All-Star break at that point. Um, it just gives them a chance for Schneider to get his feet wet, and then everybody to regroup and get some rest at, at the All-Star break, and then uh, and then and then get get ready for another fairly stout run against the American Eagles. State. Coming out of the break, there's three games in Boston, as you mentioned, and um, we saw the last time the Red Sox was here, was here. That was a fairly emotional series, and those two teams are going to be essentially neck and neck for one of those one of those spots. And not too far down the road, there's a trip to Tampa as well, and then back to back uh, trip to Boston and, and New York. So yeah, they're, they're back to the tough American league. So they had a, certainly had a tough schedule. Uh, one of the toughest schedules for the first 40 or 50 games, I guess the issue in terms of how they evaluated Charlie Montoya was when the, when the schedule did get a little bit softer for a brief period of time, that's when the team really kind of kind of struggled even more. So um, that probably was part of the momentum that led to his firing. And they have to get ready to sort of turn things around for when they face both uh, of these opponents again. It's certainly been a rough ride for them, losing two of three to the Athletics, who are an absolutely atrocious sports team, and then getting swept by the Mariners, who are right in the fight with them for that final wildcard spot. As we record this, the Mariners have won nine in a row. They're 17-3 and three in their last 20. Be nice to see the Jays put a stretch like that together. The Orioles, as we record this, have won nine in a row and are 500 right now for the first time this late in a season since 2017. Like, they are in a dogfight here. They're 46-42. and 42 two are the Jays uh, as it stands as we chat with you here. Let's talk about that trade deadline. Do they need to start making moves? And, and by moves, I mean something semi-significant now or are they going to wait till the trade deadline because the way the rotation has been performing of late forget the dips in quality of Barrios, Gosman lately who's had some injury concerns and of course what else can we say about Yusei Kikuchi um, forget all that they need an arm here and we know about the bullpen as well they made a trade with Pittsburgh but they got the wrong guy in my opinion they didn't get David Bednar they bring in a 39 year old Sergio Romo who, yeah, he's a good veteran voice. He was a great pitcher 10 years ago. Um, how desperate do you think they should be in trying to acquire some significant or at least semi-significant upgrades in terms of the arm department? Because Ross Atkins said it today, this was a tough decision. We didn't want it to have to go like this, and this mostly falls on me. So where is where is the work being done here? What do you think they need to do here, Rob? Well, Ryan, a cynic might suggest that the reason that they made those delaying acquisitions was 
as a, as a means to help uh, expedite getting rid of their manager because I mean, really, I mean, if that's the way you're, you're, you're going to enhance your, your bullpen and you're, you're just deleting yourself, and this front office is much smarter than that. I'll give you an example. Um, in Seattle, the day Robbie Ray pitched, six innings looked really good, uh, only 83 pitches, and then they take him out. I'm like, why are they taking him out? Oh, I know why, because they got three guys who can throw 100. One guy for the seventh inning to do it, one guy for the eighth inning to do it, one guy for the ninth inning to do it. And if you're blaming, if you're going to blame Charlie Montoya for this mess that the team is doing lately, you really have to give equal or more blame to the front office because of the way things have been done in terms of, um, uh, sorry, I interrupted by a colleague. Um, there's no training of thought. Yeah, yeah there's, there's essentially beyond Jordan Romano, there's no power, no fitting this guy's in that program. And I don't doubt that. Uh, but that's the priority for the front office now as they, as they shop to some help. But it's not as it's not as easy to, to do as just saying you gotta go and get guys, especially with the, with the front office who historically has gone with the opposite approach of Alex Santopoulos, the guy that was previously here. And and it was more on making sure you protect as much of those prospect assets as you can. So yeah, they'll, they'll be willing to, to part with some. Obviously, you're gonna get something for nothing. But um, you better believe that every GM that's in the league that's shopping right now knows that there's a level of desperation here. And also, every shopping GM in the league knows that more, more than any other year in baseball history, perhaps, there's more teams in contention for a playoff spot because of the expanded playoff formats format. So there may just well be more buyers than sellers, and that's going to further drive up the price. It certainly is. It's going to be interesting. Uh, obviously, the Jays have a lot of work to do. They're in fourth in the division, but they're still clinging to that wild card spot. It's going to be an interesting run up to trade deadline day. And I know Jays fans are going to be glued to their phones and their televisions as we head toward that date. Rob, we appreciate you doing this. We know you've been crunched for time on what's been a pretty explosive day in the six. So we appreciate you doing this as always, my friend. Thank you. My pleasure. We'll do it again soon. I'm sure. Absolutely. All right. That's our friend Rob Longley from the Toronto Sun. You can follow him on Twitter at Longley Sun Sports. He is one of the best guys to follow in terms of baseball coverage and certainly the Blue Jays who, uh, boy, Steve, we got a couple of minutes left here. They're, they're in it here. And and I understand that there's a lot of teams in the mix now with the extra wildcard spot. I, I Like me personally, I just don't want to hear it. And the one quote that keeps getting brought up is Vlad Jr. the face of the franchise at the start of the year saying last year was the trailer. This is the movie. This movie's going straight to DVD. This is not a summer blockbuster, Steve. And I don't want to hear any excuses from Ross Atkins. Trade whatever prospect people want. You traded your best prospect already for, for Barrios when they got rid of Martin. If, if Bichette is your future at shortstop and he's so young, why are you clinging to Jordan Groshans? Why are you clinging to guys like that? Trade whoever you can. You said you're going for it. Go for it. Yeah, and you have to wonder how much it's magnified. Uh, like, Are we having this conversation if the Yankees aren't off to a blistering start? I mean, uh, everything. Probably not. If they, if they, everything they touch is gold. Like every team in the American League East is 500 or better, and they're what, 14 games back of the Yankees? Um, but you know, you know, the AL East is tough coming in. Um, and you know, they gave a lot of playing time too to, you know, some of their, um, newer guys at the beginning of the season. It's only of late. Have they stuck with a really firm lineup? Um, yeah, you got a couple injuries mixed in there. I, I wanted to ask Rob, uh, and, and we were running out of time, but we touched on the bullpen um a little bit like i really question bullpen management um it's in atrocious situations that you know they're bringing guys in like if trent thornton's your go-to guy in key situations that's got to tell you a lot i mean that's got to be the number one alarm bell and and let's face it you know trent thornton can strike me out uh 9.999 times out of 10 no problem um but stacked up against other uh, relievers in the bullpen, you know, it just always seems uh, seems to fall apart uh, when, when that's the call. Anyways, um, yes, they have something to do. Um, and, and, 
you know, this this is the year they have to go in for it. Like they've got guys performing. Um, if Bichette and Guerrero can get back into more of a routine, um, they can definitely make some noise. Uh, but you're right. They they have to pick up another piece or two uh, to to really punch their ticket because uh, patience is thin at this point in time. Speaking of patience wearing thin, Steve, obviously patience very thin with NHL general managers today. Free agent frenzy opening coming up next. We'll have a quick pop in from my regular co-host, Chris Clark. He's going to come on and chat a little bit about the huge uncertainty in the Leafs crease as they acquire Matt Murray and uh, a former guy that uh, my team knows pretty well, Ilya Samsonov, who they sign on a one-year basically prove-it deal. Uh, we will chat with Clarky next about the tenuous situation in the blue paint for the blue buds coming up next here on instigating with Clarky and Drury. <laughs> Welcome back to Instigating with Clarky and Drury. Ryan Drury joined by the aforementioned Clarky. And uh, as we head in, we we thank our friend Rob Longley for joining us from the Toronto Sun, of course, talking about a big day in Blue Jays land. Clarky, big day as we record this on Wednesday. It is July 13th and it is free agent frenzy day and the Toronto Maple Leafs leading up to today and also today were quite busy. They have two new goaltenders, and uh, I would yeah. love your opinion on that as our yeah, centric yeah. fan here. Let's start with Matthew Murray. Well, we both were ripping on this guy all year, right? Like he and taking the lead from uh, the O-Dog on TSN, like he just always seemed injured. Um, maybe he was just didn't want to play for Ottawa, like at the end of the day. Who knows? Um, I also think it's sometimes a lot. Uh, goalies can look very bad on bad teams. And that's the only hope I have with this guy is that he's going to look better on the Leafs and it's going to play better. It's going to play back and, you know, go back two or three years when he played for Pittsburgh and, and uh, played well. Um, but I, when you look at the overall picture of what they've done, um, having added both Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov or Samsonov, how do you pronounce it? It's Sam Sonov, yeah. Sam yeah. Sonov. Yeah. Um, I don't see it being any better, and I don't really see it being any worse than Campbell and Morazic from last year going into the season. Um, you know, Jack, God bless him, five years, five million. I wouldn't have done that. I really wouldn't have. But with him and, and Kemper, the only two real goaltenders in the free agent market right today, they cashed in. They both cashed in. Kemper got even more. And we talked all playoff how Colorado's winning with a very average at best goalie. And that's what I think he is too. You know, there's a couple of goalies at the top of the heap, Ryan. We know that, right? There's, um, I'd argue Kemper's one of them, but we'll talk oh about that later. Gosh, with we, we talked all year about how he wasn't, but that that's fine. He's a captain. Well, look right. at his so, numbers. That's fine. That's fine. Um, but you got Vasilevsky and you got Shisterkin. And Carey Price when he's healthy. Markstrom. Sure. Markstrom. Markstrom There's a whole yeah. bunch of guys in the middle pack that from one year to the next, you never know what you're going to get. And I don't know. Like, I just think you can throw all those guys in a jar and pull one out and see who's, who's better. I, we'll see. Time will tell. Because if they're not, if this tandem isn't good, then the Leafs will have a new coach early. They'll probably have a new GM not long after that and uh, back to square one, and we'll see what happens. Kyle Dubas is going to live or die with those four guys. We said they had to trade one to get this team better. He's not doing it. So I guess that's what you get. I, I've never seen Leaf fans, uh, usually when the Leafs make a trade or when the Leafs make a signing, it's positive news. You know, like plan the parade. They they overinflate the um, the value of every player the Leafs have ever got. This Matt Murray one, I've never seen the Leaf fans um, be so negative against a guy. So we'll see what happens. We'll see. 
Yeah, they the reaction has not been unreal. Now, obviously, you mentioned uh, Kyle Dubas is chaining a lot of his hopes to him rediscovering his form in Pittsburgh uh, in 15-16 when he showed up on the scene, 13 regular season games played, a 9.30 save percentage. Marc-Andre Fleury was still the guy. Uh, he faltered in the playoffs. Murray took over. We all know what happened. Same thing with the next year. Murray played 49 games for Pittsburgh, uh, took over, uh, essentially, if you will, for Marc-Andre Fleury, still at the time, a 9.23 save percentage, uh, and did really well in both playoffs, obviously with Fleury stepping in a little bit. The next couple of years, a 9.07 save percentage, rebounded nicely in 50 games with Pittsburgh in 18-19 with a 9.19. Uh, the following season, 19-20, an 8.99 save percentage. Uh, he, yeah, in 38 games on what was still a pretty good Pittsburgh team, lost his job to Tristan Jari, and then yeah. signs that big deal in Ottawa. An 8.93 save percentage in 27 games played his first season there. Obviously, last year, we all know what happened. 20 games played. A 9.06, and and everybody is pointing to that 10-game stretch where he had a 9.41 save percentage. But prior to that, the games before that, the first eight games, I believe, 8.83, and then after that. Yeah, no, it wasn't great for sure. Under 900 as well. But he well, played but, in the Sioux, so he has come the least. Yeah, that, that little stretch that he had. Yep. Um, is is reason for promise. Now, I don't love these moves. I think they are worse. As we sit right now, I think based on what Jack Campbell gave you at times for a long time, stretch, sure. For a long stretch, yeah. what Matt Murray of gave season Ottawa until December. Well, he, he was, was an all star. Lights out, right? Yep. I think objectively, that they are worse. Yeah, when you factor Peter Mrazek in. Probably not. Maybe they are a little better, but I would argue that it's about the same in that regard because uh, I, Matt Murray, we, we, I don't think anybody doubts his talent. Can he stay healthy? I feel like I'm the 800th person to say that. That's all it is. Can this guy stay healthy? Uh, if I were to take a bet right now with our friends at Cool Bet on an over under and set it at 30 and a half games, I'm taking the under. 25 and a half games, I'm taking the under. I have zero faith that this guy can stay healthy. Now let's talk about Ilya Samsonov, a guy who I know extremely well. I once said to the what the puck guys down in Washington, the Washington fan cast down there, that when they drafted him, I thought he was the most talented player outside of the NHL. When he was playing in Magnitogorsk, uh, where Yevgeny Malkin came from, he was a freak over there playing against men. In so what K happened? He came over here and he has stepped into the best league in the world and extremely underwhelmed. He has got to decide through some injury issues as well. We all know about that infamous ATV accident during the bubble playoff where he wasn't available to the Capitals uh, because of his own stupidity. This guy has no feel for where his crease is. He can't hold on to his goalie stick. I've never seen a starting goalie drop their stick as much as Ilya Samsonov. He's atrocious at reading angles. This is just based on what I've seen. Is he still young enough at 25 years old where you go, there's still a ceiling here based on him being a 22nd overall pick back in 2015? Yes, he's still young enough where there is still potential he could figure it out. But what I'm telling you right now is that I, I've watched literally almost every single minute. I would venture to say 90% of every minute that Ilya Samsonov has played goal for the Washington Capitals, who, if you look at the numbers, are a pretty good defensive team over the last couple of years. Bad, 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 bad. Outside of a couple little spurts here and there, bad. So good luck. Uh, and and my final thing on Murray, and this is a whole thing where you're talking about, oh, well, these goalies, you could throw them all in a hat and you can't keep this guy. You can't keep that guy. Um, listen, I'll say this. I still think that the Leafs handed out too much money to too few guys. It's not worked. They're good. They're good players, those guys. But they gave them all too much money. You could argue now, based off what we've seen the last few years, Austin Matthews aside. The other guys all have too much money. They make too much money. They've won nothing. That's why they can't afford to have stability in that. 
And if you're going to tell me that this is stability, you're a liar. And so's Kyle. Dude, Dubis. I don't think anyone He's is crossing his fingers. And absolutely, I'm, absolutely. I'm saying it right now. Sheldon Keith and and Kyle Dubis will be fired before the end of the regular season. Well, I just said this the same thing. Is, and I just said this, the same thing. If it doesn't work well, out, we're in, it, done. We're, we're in agreement. It is. Yeah, they're done. And it, but the only thing I can say to the Leafs' defense and to Kyle Dubis's defense, uh huh, this year, 2022. I would imagine they thought the salary cap would be about $10 million more than it was when they signed Matthews and Marner. Yeah, it doesn't and, matter. And I, I don't care. I know it doesn't matter at the end of the day. I, I, don't I know care. it doesn't matter. Still too much money. They do projections. They absolutely do projections of how the cap wow. is progressing, where it'll go. Who knew COVID was coming? It is I understand. More than any other team, in my opinion. And you know what? They buried themselves I mean, and whatever. Yeah, I, I will. I will say extremely bad luck for everybody, though. Uh, Toronto, one hundred percent, is the most affected by it, and that's their yeah. own doing. I hey, I don't. I'm not disputing that. Okay, it, it's, I'm not disputing it's still that. Still hellacious to me. Yeah, that yeah. Mitch Marner makes more than Patrick Kane, Nikita Kucherov. Hey, dude, you could even well, argue a guy you like can't, you can't. I'm not going to defend Mitch Marner. You you know what no, I've no, said about I, Mitch Marner. I, I know. I've said I, Mitch Marner is the guy they should trade all along. He's the guy that they should deal. They're not going to do it. Here's the Kyle final Dubis thing I'll say. Die with his core. I can guarantee he's not. And it's going to be die. I think. And well, and I'll yeah, eat, probably I'll happily eat crow if they prove me wrong. And Matt Murray starts 50 games and has a 9.15 yeah. save percentage and yeah. three shutouts or something like that. Yeah. Fine, good for you. Yeah. But this gambling that they have to do right. is their own fault. It sounds and, like to me the Edmonton Oilers of a few years back where we all ripped into them because they had such a good core group and no goaltender. Guess what? Now it's Toronto and Edmonton keeps signing former Leafs. Anyway. Yeah, it, it, it's odd. And Edmonton had a good day as well. They get Jack Campbell at five by five and good luck to Jack and everything good luck like that. The last yeah. thing I'll say about the Morazic thing is based on what we heard that Ottawa was trying to do at the draft where they ended up getting to it. They were also talking to Chicago potentially about getting rid of Matt Murray. It's utterly embarrassing to me that the Leafs did not make. We all knew we, all we heard Ottawa desperate to move Matt Murray. It is embarrassing to me that they did not make them retain 50% of the salary. Mm -hmm. As we record this right now, this segment here, the Leafs have about $3.7 million left. And they need to re-sign Rasmus Sandin, and they're missing basically chunks of a fourth line as well, well as other definitely. Engvall as well, so they got to re-sign Engvall. McKayev gone, so yeah. it's unbelievable. And they to signed me that some they guy didn't I've get never every heard of. dollar they could have out of the Matt Murray trade. That's yeah. all I have to say, Clark. Oh, best of luck to your crease this year. Yeah, best well, of luck. I am ready to go. Good for you. My pads are ready. Uh, excellent. Yeah, Clarky will will be needed. Kyle Dubas's number on speed dial. You if you ever I will been tell. to Sioux, have you ever been to Sault Ste. Marie? That would at least qualify you for <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have, I have been there, yeah. Believe Matt Murray now by my count is the 13th former Sioux Greyhound that Matt or that yeah. uh, Kyle Dubas has brought into the Leafs organization. And that All bothers right. me and a lot of other Leaf fans. Like I know it does places to look. Like it's yeah. like when the Leafs had yeah. three first round drop picks in the eighties and they drafted all three Belleville bulls, big like, wide world out there, buddy. You know, yeah. Anyway, we'll take a quick break. All right, when we Fitzy come back. coming back with you and uh, Sabs. We'll chat with Mr. Steve. Fitzsimmons, I'm going to Muskoka general manager. You have a good time. You're going to Muskoka. We'll chat with Steve Fitzsimmons, uh, the manager of the Hanover raceway. One of our great sponsors. We're going to chat about free agency with Fitzy. Who's always got something to say about the hockey world. And we'll chat a little bit about some big events coming up at the racetrack this month. You're watching Instigating with Clarky and Jury. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Instigating with Clarky and Jury, brought to you by our friends at Cool Bet, Listable Vision Care, the Listable Squash Court, See the Game, and of course, Hanover Raceway. And myself and Steve Fitzsimmons here are very pleased to be joined by the general manager of that great racetrack, Mr. Steve Fitzsimmons. Fitzy, how are you, brother? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? We're doing well, my friend, and uh, a lot of NHL GMs think they're doing well as <laughs> well today on the opening of Free Agent Frenzy. 
let's dig right into that. Uh, of course, we're going to be chatting a lot uh, later on about some of the great stuff that's coming up this month at Hanover Raceway. You guys have a really busy schedule starting this weekend with the Ontario Women's Driving Championship. But before we talk about that, let's just talk about some of the deals that have gone down. Uh, I know one of the first ones that we were definitely all interested in, you and uh, the hockey group and I that are always chatting, Evander Kane, he stays in Edmonton, and it was a last-minute thing before free agency opened. He he was given permission to look around at other situations and decided that it was best to uh, stay on the left wing of the best player in the world. Your impression of the deal, and I actually thought, based on his playoff performance last year, pretty palatable cap hit, Steve. I don't think there's any doubt that uh, without the baggage that he brings with him from his previous transgressions that this player with what he did in the regular season in the playoffs was probably an $8 million player any other time, but you know, he signs for five and change. So, um, you know, I think uh, if he's the motivated player we've seen in the last calendar year with Edmonton and continues to produce like he doesn't stay out of trouble this is a great deal for the Edmonton Oilers. He was uh, uh, an extremely uh, good player for them, a difference maker on a team of three difference makers, I guess you would say. You know, it's interesting. I, I'd compare the Evander Kane situation to Dennis Rodman in the Chicago Bulls. Um, a, you know, a, a team that has championship caliber. They've got the two best players in the NHL uh, on that team. Uh, they've also picked up, in my mind, a pretty good goaltender uh, that, you know, could be the tipping point for Edmonton finally uh, in, in, a, in a long haul. Um, and, you know, with, with Kane in there, um, if you can focus that energy, uh, you know, he's proven himself. So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how that team carries out next season. Well, he can score goals and he, and he proved it again. And, and I agree Fitzy with you without the, the baggage, there's no other better way to put it. I certainly think he's sniffing around at seven, five, eight million, but uh, pretty palatable deal for both sides. I think it's a good situation on the ice. Um, and so far, it's been a good situation off the ice. But on the ice, I certainly think this is a good situation. And, and Sabi, you bring up uh, that goaltender. That was one of the first big dominoes to drop today. Jack Campbell is officially a member of the Edmonton Oilers. They give him a five by five, something Toronto was not willing to do, yet they were willing to absorb 4.6875 of a very big question mark in Matt Murray. Now, we we heard previously from Clarkie on the show a little bit about his uh, impressions of his beloved Maple Leaf crease heading into next year. Your impression of this whole fiasco here, we'll call it. Uh, Campbell's gone and goes to Edmonton, joining Zach Hyman from, from his Maple Leaf days. And the Leafs have, well, what they have. Your thoughts? My thoughts are it's a significant risk for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you know what? Um, if you look at Matt Murray, what he actually did, he was in the minors a bit last year, but actually in the NHL, um, his numbers actually are quite good considering the situation he was in. It's just the previous two years, he was absolutely terrible and um, not anywhere close to the goalie that we saw with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So you know what? They, they got Ottawa to absorb some of the salary. Um, I think Jack Campbell was far less of a risk for sure, um, for not much more money, um, but a lot longer term. So, you know, I think they're rolling the dice. They obviously have a history with, with, uh, Matt Murray from the Sioux Greyhounds days, as does a lot of the free agents. It seems that the Toronto Maple Leafs choose to sign. Um, you know what? I, who knows behind a much better stout defensive team, um, compared to the Ottawa Senators at least. Um, with some firepower up front, you might be okay. You might not. Um, I don't. I don't love it, but I think. I think, uh, quite frankly, um, you know, Kyle Dubas's job is on the line with that, 100%. He will be fired if this doesn't work out, and the Leafs are not very successful with this situation. He's gone. I would think 100% there. Well, you'd have to think uh, it, it was kind of a you know, darned if you do, darned if you don't sort of situation. Because if he did get Campbell, they didn't do well, question marks again. So, okay, do I roll a dice, you know, pick up a goaltender for a little less uh, against the cap, 
and maybe surprise some people. And again, as you mentioned, Steve, the connection, the Sault Ste. Marie connection is, you know, hey, let's get the let's get the band back together and make some noise and maybe a little emotional push, a little more uh, extra drive for uh, Murray to excel in the current situation. But it's going to be tough because, I mean, I don't think the Leafs are better today than they were on the last in the last game of the previous season. I don't either. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I don't know. And that's the gamble here. This is the definition of high risk, high reward. And Ilya Samsonov factors in in a much more minor way to that. Now, this is a kid that really, I mean, I said this to the guys on the on. I mentioned with Clarky on the what the puck show down in Washington Um when they drafted him, I said on that show that I thought he was the most talented player outside the NHL and his numbers in the KHL would prove that he was absolutely dominant against men in what most would say is the second best professional league in the world. He needs to decide how badly he wants to have a career in the NHL. Really? I mean, beyond how, wild he is in his crease the the fiasco with the atv accident and all that stuff during the bubble i mean we touched on this earlier with clarky that's one thing this murray thing it is high risk high reward it's boomer bust and i said to clarky earlier uh fitzy i i think that Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe will both be fired before the end of the regular season next year. And I don't think Matt Murray plays more than 25 games. Your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts are Kyle Dubas put his job on the line last year and said, if we don't get out of the first round, that's what year. we thought, right? So, you know, um, he's, he's for me, I don't know how he kind of skated on that just because it was the two time defending cup champs. It's always an excuse every year. They're losing somebody. Right. But, you know, I mean, in this case, you know, they, they went toe-to-toe with a pretty darn good team. But, you know, that was his decree last year at this time. So I think, you know, I think Leaf fans are not going to stand for it again. And quite frankly, I think the board of the, the Maple Leafs is going to be forced to do something. If they don't go through the first round again, heads are going to roll, period. And that's going to be the end of it. You know, we can make all the excuses we want, and Leaf fans do. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, you eventually have to win something, and they've had a lot of money tied up in very few players, which hasn't cho- hasn't looked like it's been a good decision so far, based on the playoff results. And uh, at the end of the day, um, they're 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 striving to win the Stanley Cup. They haven't come anywhere close. Period. It's not been good, and yeah, I mean this whole experiment of top heavy skill, very good top heavy skill. Like Austin Matthews scored 60 yep. and he won the heart for the first time since, since the Leaf did it since I think the thirties. Yeah. I mean, the, the top end of it is, is very, very good. It's just that when you have almost half of your cap committed to under half of what makes up an entire roster, this is the type of stuff that you run into. And boy, is he ever taking the gamble of all gambles? I don't think it's impossible that Matt Murray, if healthy, can be a, a good goalie. I mean, the one thing I'd say to you is glove high. He's he is so he is atrocious glove high, and the the Capitals would tell you that. And a lot of the teams that ended up beating Pittsburgh and beating him consistently over the years, he shoot glove high. He's got a terrible glove hand. But I mean, God bless him. They're they're rolling with this tandem, and uh, I, I just I agree with you, Sabia. I I don't think anybody could argue that they're better today than they than they were coming into free agency. Mikheyev is gone. They have a very limited amount of room as it stands to re-sign Sandine, who is allegedly not very happy with them. And uh, they've qualified Pierre Engvall. It'd be interesting to see what else the Leafs do. There's no way they're done. Let's talk about the other big goalie chip that fell because, of course, Flurry re-signed in Minnesota. I think the Leafs were sniffing in on him. Murray has been moved. Talbot is now in Ottawa. Darcy Kemper has signed with my Washington Capitals. And I got to be honest, I... I might have my red and blue glasses on a little bit. I'm a, a big fan of this deal. And and I think that 
you can definitively say, unlike the Maple Leaf situation, that the Washington Capitals are absolutely better than they were at the end of last season. Your thoughts on the Kemper deal at five by five two five, Fitzy? I don't mind it. I think he's uh, one of the better goalies in the NHL. I don't think he's in the top eight or maybe in the top 10 even, but he's definitely a good goalie. Um, I think you could make a case that Pavel Frankus did as much for the Colorado Avalanche winning the cup as, as Darcy Kemper, but he was very good for a pretty terrible Coyotes team. You know, he was adequate, maybe a little better than adequate for Colorado. Um, I don't mind it. I think based on what was out there, he was as good as anyone and uh, they had to go a different direction, obviously. And um, I don't love the term at five years for a guy uh, at his age, but um, you know, I think probably for, for three of those, it's going to be fine. And, and let's be honest. I mean, the window for the Washington Capitals is really two to three years. So I don't think year four and five are what they care about anyway. So they probably figured, you know what, let's, to get this guy, that's what we have to do. And we're going to go guns blazing here uh, for the next couple or three years, maybe to, with Ovi's uh, window. And of course, uh, some of the other players on that team. So I think it really had more to do with that. But again, you know, he's a good goalie. I don't call him an elite NHL goalie, though. Yeah, I, I agree. He's, he's fourth in save percentage in the NHL over the last five years. Last year, he was fourth in goals saved above expected. The only three better than him were Shesterkin, uh, Markstrom, and Sorokin. So I don't necessarily consider him an elite goalie either, but he's far better than Samsonov and Vanacek. Yes. And he proved it by winning a Stanley Cup. Yes, he had a 902 save percentage in the playoffs. He did enough to get it done. And he's shown that on bad teams, he can be good. Washington, fourth at five on five uh, goals above uh, or goals expected against suppression last year. A good defensive team that if they had have got better goaltending, probably beat the Florida Panthers in the first round. And who knows what happens after that. So I think Kemper, I'm excited about it. We'll see what happens. Uh, a lot of other big names getting signed today. But as we record this, the, the big two, Nazem Kadri and Johnny Goudreau, they have both not signed deals. Uh, Sabi, I wonder what your thoughts are. Just Calgary. I picked Calgary to go to the cup final last year. This is a massive blow to them. I mean, they are losing a franchise cornerstone. What is this going to do for the future of how badly Kachuk wants to stay there? Sean Monahan is now in uh, in Chicago. Calgary was dealt a really serious blow here, Savvy. Yeah, and you know what? It didn't matter how much money was uh, going to be thrown out by Calgary. I mean, Johnny Gaudreau stated family reasons to, to move around. Um, but I mean, when you're the top two players in a free agency pool, you can take your time, no rush to get anything signed. Right. I mean, uh, play the numbers, see who's signing where with what, and then take your pick of where you want to go. Uh, because I mean, you, you got a cup winner, um, who proved himself in the playoffs and you had, you have a guy coming off a 115 point season. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. You know, when you look at all the teams that uh, uh, have availability, you know, I I can't narrow down uh, where Goudreau is going to end up. There's just so many. Um, you just hope he signs with a team that actually has a chance um, and <laughs> it doesn't go with the team just because he wants to be the number one guy. Uh, but anyways, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, but a lot of opportunity out there for sure. And Kadri, obviously, you mentioned he comes off a cup and uh, had some funny statements uh, after winning that Stanley Cup. I, I think some of those were pointed maybe at the management of the Toronto Maple Leafs and maybe some of the fan base that thought he was a liability. So um, I, I really enjoyed seeing that. Yeah, and, and Colorado just straight up can't afford him, and it's a big reason they didn't bring Kemper back. They need to re-sign Nate McKinnon, who is going to get a gigantic raise on the little over $6 million he makes currently. They can re-sign him at the end of next season, and he's probably going to get something 
with a 12 or a 13 dot, dot, dot in front of it. Who, who knows? So uh, Burakovsky leaves that team as well. They, they did re-up Nakushkin. He's going to come back. Lekkonen's coming back. I still think Colorado is a pretty good team there. Fitzy, where do you see a fit for both these guys? There was a rumor today that the Blue Jackets, they've done this previously, threw a ton of money at the feet of Johnny Goudreau, 7 by 12. Don't think he's going to go there. And logic would tell you, being from the New Jersey area, if it's family reasons, there's three teams around that area that, that make sense. And that's Philly, that's the Devils, and that's the Islanders. We'll start with Goudreau. Where do you think he fits in and why? Well, I think uh, I think the Islanders with their brand new rink and, and money to spend uh, certainly uh, are marquee players in this search this situation. And uh, Lou, you know, keeps his his uh, cards uh, almost impossible to read. And uh, I suspect um, they're well in the thick of the of the battle here. Uh, I think Philadelphia is an interesting uh, possibility there as well. Um, although I think that the Islanders are a better team than Philly right now. And certainly New Jersey looks like a, a team on the rise for sure. So, um, But I, I, I think Lou has a big chance here to, to possibly uh, sneak Johnny Hockey out here and, uh, you know, deliver, um, you know, some kind of a seven-year deal. with. Uh, I'm assuming it's probably going to be comparable numbers to the Calgary deal of, you know, nine and a half, ten. It probably has to be. To, to, that's probably the uh, the bottom line for anyone that wants to talk right now. After uh, Calgary laid out their offer, um, Kadri is more is an interesting one because you know Kadri for me is a sixty five point player who had a tremendous one year of eighty seven points when Nate McKinnon was down and had the opportunity to play uh, significant frontline minutes as the go to guy to some degree for Colorado and he did deliver on that situation. I'd be very uh, careful to risk, you know, significant term and significant dollars with him um, because I think you could still get a 65, 70 point player. That said, you know, I wonder if Seattle might not be a team that would take a risk. They have a huge amount of cap space. You know, they can certainly point to his, his cup ring and, you know, that he was one of the top players on the best team in the league last year. And that's, that's certainly a selling feature for them with their fans, I think. Uh, they've done some other things that uh, it makes you believe that uh, they're certainly trying to improve rapidly. And so, uh, you know, I, I wonder if they might uh, be an interesting fit. I think um, a lot of teams are probably very, very wary about his uh, career average other than last season. And, uh, you know, like, tell me what the number is. But, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be eight and a half, nine, you know, for six, six or seven years. That's just too much. I, I, I don't go to, I don't go anywhere near that with Kadri and, I think the sensible GMs won't, but in 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 the Seattle situation, I think they they could probably take a risk like that. They they have lots of cap space, so they might be the one. They've got a mountain of cash, you're right, in Seattle, and boy, he'd, he'd look pretty good with Shane Wright to, and and help him ease in. His buddy Andre Burakovsky just signed there. His old buddy Philip Grubauer is still in the crease there too, so it, it makes sense if he's looking to hit a slam dunk, which he should be. I mean, and he did score 30 twice in Toronto, of course, back in the day. Like, he is a skilled player. Um, one other team that I did hear, you know, that could be in the mix for him, and I don't really know if this is tangible, but I, I did hear Jamie McLennan talking today about Washington, and the only way that that's going to happen is if they put my buddy Nick Backstrom on LTIR and basically don't have him come back until the playoffs. That's the only way that Washington, especially after signing Kemper and bringing in a bargain guy who I really like in Eric Gustafson, um, that's the only way that a team like that, who if Nick Backstrom's not going to play, and he's not for a while anyway, but Brian McClellan did say that the intent was to have Backstrom return. And, and the only way I see Kadri fitting in there is if Backstrom doesn't. And it is worth noting that Nick did have the same type of hip resurfacing surgery that Ryan Kessler had, and Kessler never came back from that. And it pains me to say that because he's my favorite Washington capital of all time. And if they don't put him on LTIR, that's the only way that they could make palatable 
a cadre contract. Would I take him on the caps? Yes, I would. I think he would look really good in a caps. And can you imagine the chaos of cadre and Tom Wilson oh. on the same team? Oh my God. Just rename the arena suspension center. It'll be just unbelievable. Um, With the amount noting, of fines that they would pay, they could fund the uh, Arizona Coyotes. Absolutely. <laughs> they could buy the Coyotes a new rink. Worth noting, Tom Wilson's going to be out for a pretty lengthy period of time, too, after a major knee surgery. Yeah, I don't know. Kadri, you're right. He's probably going to get eight, eight and a half from somebody. Um, and, and best of luck. I mean, he had a great season. Uh, everybody loves Naz. He's a good story. It was fun to watch him win a cup after everything that he dealt with leaving Toronto. And of course, some of the racial abuse that he's had to deal with, particularly during the St. Louis series. It was great. So we all, I think we all wish him well, um, but it, it's going to be interesting to see where that domino falls. Um, Fitz, you, know, you, make a, you make an interesting point, Ryan. Um, you know, we're looking for more diversity in hockey and, you know, Nazem Kadri being the first Muslim to ever win the Stanley Cup, you know, yeah. I'd say well in a few markets in terms of uh, marketing ability um, in certain places. So, you know, don't discount there could be, you know, somebody that, um, you know, sees the value of that as well. I absolutely yeah, I was just, agree. Uh, filtering through social media here, too, and uh, uh, just saw a couple tweets from a few minutes ago. Philly uh, confirming they're not in the Gaudreau race at all. Not okay. even looking at it. A uh, real big push from New Jersey Devils fans, though, uh, to try to get him into Jersey and basically picking apart the Islanders about their whole uh, travel arena slash situation. So uh, see what happens. Well, I guess the thing is they have the PK Subban money off the book, so they could sign this and make it work. A hundred percent. And boy, like, you know, similar to the Islanders, with him on Matt Barzal's wing, would he look pretty good on Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer's wing? Yes, yeah. he would. I mean, this is a really quality player who I don't think, no matter what he gets, will be a waste of money. He's still young, and he just came off an unbelievable year, 85 of his 115 points at even strength, which is just incredible. Uh, yeah, there's a lot more that's going to come down in the next few days free agency-wise. Uh, Fitzy, a lot coming down at Hanover Raceway. Let's start with this weekend. The second edition of the OLG Ontario Women's Driving Championship. Stop number one is going to be at Hanover this Saturday, the 16th at 1.30. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so you're going to see the finest uh, women uh, drivers in, in the province competing for the Ontario title. And last year, of course, we had a couple of racetracks ourselves in Dresden that, that kicked off uh, the first annual. This year, we have five racetracks, uh, Grand River, uh, Leamington, and, and the Raceway at Western Fair in London joining uh, th this, uh, this series. And uh, yes, Hanover kicks it off on Saturday. It's a fundraising effort as well for Harness the Hope, a uh, prominent breast cancer charity. And um, so there's certainly a fundraising aspect to it with uh, lots of different fundraising initiatives. But, um, you know, we, uh, we wanted to uh, be a part of something that encourages more diversity in our sport. And um, there's some female drivers that are very successful. There's others that would like more opportunities to drive that they just don't get. And so this was part of the thinking of, of initiating this last year. And of course, it was extraordinarily well received and it did lots of good for charity as well. And so it was a win-win. And uh, we're, we're really pleased to be behind this again this year and uh, to kick it off on Saturday. And, uh, you know, we even have a neat thing after the races as well. We have a concert from one of the drivers who's a musician, Samara Johnson. So she's multi-talented. She's going to drive and she's going to sing. So I told her to be a little calm and yelling to the horses so she has some voice left. Absolutely. That's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. Steve, it's got to be great to be back uh, in, in a full schedule and big events. I mean, how frustrating over the last couple of years. And uh, it's just got to feel good to be back in the track. It really does, Steve. You know, um, we had lots of fans that, uh, quite frankly, didn't have the technological capabilities to be watching us from home or or wagering on, on us from home and, and were fearful to come for, obviously, uh, the reasons with COVID and um, you know, to see the, the significant amount of those folks back is, is pretty heartwarming and to know how much they missed us and how much we missed them. And, you know, we've obviously seen a significant uh, lift in, in wagering as a result of that because we've been able to hold all of the, uh, the dollars that we had from, you know, the building of our broadcast um, 
and, and um, the amount of people that bet online, which was um, not very high in the past until the last couple of years, and it's really taken off. So for our business, um, you know, we pivoted in a, pro, in a, in a way that made us, um, you know, grow significantly. And, and now the folks that uh, were the heartland of our business are back. Um, so it's great to have them back. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can see the energy from the drivers as well, because, and, and even horses to some degree, the drivers, you know, feed off the crowd energy and, you know, there just wasn't much of it in the last couple of years. We either had small crowds or no crowds. And so, um, you know, the, that, that fan support for drivers and the horses is, is, is something that uh, the, the drivers really feed off of. So, so that part of it's been very good too. Absolutely. And after the OLG Ontario Women's Driving Championship first stop this Saturday, the 16th, the schedule just keeps getting busier on the 23rd and the 30th. You're going to have Trevor Henry Day, of course, a very successful and prominent driver with a pretty special horse and then fireworks on the 30th. Tell us all about this. Absolutely. So uh, on July 23rd, we have uh, Trevor Henry Day, which of course, Trevor is a very prominent uh, driver at the Woodbine Mohawk Park Circuit, one of the best in the country now, but he drove at Hanover for many, many years an Arthur Ontario native, so a local guy, just 45 minutes down the road, and won 10 Hanover Raceway driving titles, and he won Clinton, he won Western Fair, he won, you name it, Grand River everywhere for the B-Track circuit. And then he made the decision to to go to the um, to the biggest circuit in Canada, um, and he's excelled. And he, of course, won the North America Cup last year with a horse by the name of Desperate Man, Nan. Desperate Man, pardon me. And Desperate Man will actually be on site here with Trevor. Trevor will be here for meet and greet, signing autographs, and we'll be selling Trevor Henry commemorative t-shirts. But Desperate Man will be here as well, and people can get their photo. He's a very docile horse until you get him behind a starting gate, and then he he takes off. But before, before that, he's very calm, cool, and collected. He loves people. He loves to be petted. And uh, people are literally going to be able to go up and pet a million-dollar horse He's made a million and fifty thousand dollars in the last two years racing, and he will be here. He's actually going to lead the post parade for our Dream of Glory elimination races, which are on the same race card. And yeah, again, there's a massive, significant uh, um, silent auction that has some incredible stuff in it that you won't want to miss as well. Some great keepsakes from uh, if you're into harness racing, but also just some incredible items as well. You know, that um, it's not to be missed as part of that day as well. So that'll be a fun day. I think uh, a lot of people are fans of Trevor Henry, and they're going to come and celebrate, uh, you know, us uh, celebrating him, if you will. And then on July 30th, we have our Dream of Glory race card, which traditionally has the fireworks. So normally, of course, we've moved to a 1.30 post time in the last couple of years. And aside from that particular day, we are 1.30 this year. That day, we've moved our post time back to our 6.15 post time to allow for fireworks after the races during our Dream of Glory card. Of course, we'll have the $60,000 Dream of Glory race and the Gail Murray Invitational, which is a great race for uh, uh, Pacers, uh, some of the top uh, Pacers in Ontario. But that uh, fireworks is sort of the signature night that we have at the racetrack, and it will be back at night. We will have thousands of people literally here. And uh, won't that be a sight to see again? It's it's really an iconic night. If you've never been here that night, you really have to you really have to come. You'll it's a special time. And I say that you know not only as the GM, but I've been a customer and also a horse person of this racetrack for you know 35, 40 years, and um, I've seen 20 of them probably. And it's incredible. It's a fun night. It's it's just one of the most iconic nights in harness racing. It's going to be fantastic. A really busy schedule with our friends at Hanover Raceway. Remember, you can visit their website and check up on all of the events that are scheduled. This Saturday, the 16th, the first stop on the OLG Ontario Women's Driving Championship on the 23rd. It's Trevor Henry Day. Desperate man, the incredible horse himself, will be there as well. And on the 30th, it's the uh, Dream of Glory, obviously. Fireworks night. It's going to be a very, very busy July for one Mr. Steve Fitzsimmons over at Hanover Raceway, where hopefully you guys can go out and join him. Fitzy, thanks so much for doing this, my friend. Always a pleasure to chat hockey with you. And of course, about all the fun stuff going on over at Hanover Raceway as well, my friend. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it.
Sabi, thanks for uh, stepping in for Mr. Clark this week. It was great to see you and have a chat about the Jays and obviously the frenetic day of free agent frenzy. It was a pleasure to have you on, man. Thanks. Yeah, no, always uh, good to join. And, uh, you know, it's hard to believe we're uh, pushing through the summer. I'm starting to see uh, some feeds coming through uh, from friends in the junior hockey loop uh, locally. So I'm sure we'll have to instigate some conversations with them uh, in, in the near future. I like that a lot. Yes, some junior hockey teams that we cover over at CKNX are very busy right now. Uh, all right, that's it for Instigating with Clarky and Dre this week. Remember, on Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9, you can watch this show with our friends on Whiteman TV. That is Channel 6 for our Whiteman subscribers. We debut on our YouTube channel Friday nights at 9. Follow us on social media at Instigating Pod. We appreciate all our great sponsors, including Cool Bet Canada, Obviously, the list will squash courts, list will vision care, see the game, and our great friends at Hanover Raceway. We'll be back next week with more instigating. 